during the presidential debate or the, the thing. So don't worry. I'm going to get a chair, though, because I got stuff. Did you guys see that USC Notre Dame game yesterday? Oh, that was awesome. I'm, I got not a lot of Irish fans in the room. I guess there's one up here. Don't let that affect what I say, by the way. Um, if you don't like the Irish, God still loves you just a little bit less. Um, so, hey, man, I'm just saying. No, I'm just, that's a joke. Anyway, well, let's pray because uh, it'll at least make me feel better. And, uh, and then we'll, uh, we'll get started. So, God, help us. Amen. Awesome. Hey. <laughs> um, yeah, so I was sitting in class about two and a half months ago. And my professor puts this, this quote up on the, on the board, and it said, your feelings are the truest expression of yourself in any given moment. Your feelings are the truest expression of yourself in any given moment. In other words, how you feel is who you are. Like many of you right now, I see all your contorted faces, like, oh, that doesn't sound right. And so she asked us, she, she said, well, what do you think of that? So, you know, people raise their hand and, and they say these, you know, deep theological things like, well, I kind of agree with that, but I kind of don't agree with that, whatever. And so I threw my hand up in the air in a very authoritative way. And I said, I don't like that. I don't like it at all. And, and she, she did something that most people don't do uh, with pastors, and that's they say why. And, and, and so she goes, well, why, why don't you like that? What, what, what is it about that statement that makes you uncomfortable? And I said, I have no idea what to do with my feelings. I have no idea. No one has ever told me what to do with my feelings. I think I have them. I'm pretty sure they're there, but I, I don't know. So she goes, well, what do you do with your feelings? I was like, I push them down. That's what I do. I'm, I'm a counselor's dream because I don't think before I speak. It just comes right out. And then I, know what's, then I know what's going on inside of there after it comes out. And so I said, well, I push it down. And she goes, well, what happens when you push your feelings down? I was like, I get crabby. That's what happens. And she goes, she goes, so wait, so you do still feel, you just don't express the emotions as they are, you're just an angry person. And I looked at her, I was like, maybe. And she, she goes, why don't you just think about that for a little bit? And so I did. I started thinking, what am I supposed to do? with my emotions. What am I supposed to do with those things, especially those particularly dark feelings, right? Like those things that you shouldn't feel. Has anybody ever dropped the should bomb on you before? Oh, you, you shouldn't feel that way. It's a, don't worry about that. You know, those things that maybe they, they're not welcome in church. When you, uh, when you go to God, you think, well, once I get rid of this dark thing, then, then I can come to God as I am. What do you do with your emotions? Do you bury them? Do you appreciate them? Do you, even, do you even know that you feel things? For the longest time, I really didn't even realize uh, I was having <laughs> emotions. What do you tell your cousin who's going through a divorce and feels like his heart's been ripped out? Or the widow who was standing right next to her husband when his heart gave out and she feels like she should have saved him? What do we do? with our emotions. Oh, cool. Sorry, something on here. Got distracted. Um, you know, personally, I think God has something to say about what we're supposed to do with our emotions. I think he has 
I think there's more to emotions than what we often make of them. We're just entering a series about King David, and we're looking at his life. We're looking at at him as an example of who to follow. And ironically enough, uh, if you've ever opened up the Psalms, David was pretty in touch with his emotions. He was pretty in touch with, with what was going on inside, and he wasn't afraid to kind of let those difficult things out. So today I want us to look at Psalms 13, uh, and it's not going to be up there because I didn't put a slide together. So uh, I'm going to read out of the NIV, so go ahead, and when you get your iPhones out, just flip it over from New King James to NIV uh, or your iPads and do that. Uh, But before I get into the psalm, I want to talk just a little bit about emotions and feelings so we have a little bit of a framework of where I'm coming from. Emotions and feelings, they're not something typically that I feel like we in the church deal well with. I feel like it's kind of like this bag right here. Anybody know what this is? These are my leftover parts from when I put together our dresser from Ikea and when I put together some of our furniture. Their parts, our emotions are like parts that they come with the box, but we don't really know what to do with them. So, so, and when, when we put the desk together and everything, the desk sits well and you kind of push on it, you know, to make sure it doesn't move. But then you look and you go, I don't know what I'm supposed to do with those. So you, you take them and you, you put them into the drawer and then they just build up into your junk drawer. And then when you need to reach down into your junk drawer, you've got to reach through tons of parts of stuff to go through. Of maybe dressers or desks that you've thrown out years ago. So if you're having trouble connecting the analogy... Sometimes those desks are those things, those events, those things that have happened that you haven't really dealt with, and so you just take them and you put them in the drawer so you can deal with them later. And I've heard so many things about emotions in my time as a Christian, and oftentimes they're, they're conflicting. I've heard things like, well, push your emotions aside, or focus on Jesus, or, or don't worry about what you're feeling. Uh, you just worship him, and granted, there's, there's truth to that, but... I feel like there's something more to it. There's something more than just pushing past the feeling of never being able to love again. The two people I referenced earlier in the introduction are people that I know. My cousin going through a divorce and a very dear friend of mine whose husband died right next to her. How can they push that aside to worship Jesus? No, the reality is that God and Jesus did both show emotion. God shows concern. He shows anger. He shows love. He expresses remorse. That's a weird one. And he, he shows compassion. Jesus actually weeps at the loss of a friend, a friend that he was going to raise from the dead moments later. And so imagine Jesus standing, and if he's weeping, and he's, he's weeping, the, the actual thing, it's not, it's not like he's man crying, where he's like, my boy Lazarus, I'm just, I'm going to miss him so much. I just got to get through it. You know, I mean, this is the the idea here is that he's weeping and no one went up to him and said, hey, Jesus, brother, you shouldn't feel that way. He's in a better place. He's in a better place, man. You know, you know where he's at. I mean, you've been there before, right? You've seen it. So, and by the, you know, and aren't you going to do something? I mean, you can, you know, you know, and Jesus is weeping and, and he, but he's, he's mourning the loss of a, he's mourning the physical loss of a friend and that's okay. Jesus also gets angry, which is another thing that's kind of odd, right? He goes and flips over tables and tells his disciples they don't have enough faith. And he gets so stressed out before his crucifixion that he actually sweats drops of blood. And then right before he dies, he cries out asking God why God has forsaken him. 
There's a lot of emotion in the life of Jesus. The difference between Jesus and us, among many, many, many other things, is that Jesus knew what to do with his emotions. He knew how to express them. He knew what to do with those things that, gosh, they're just a little uncomfortable, right? Anybody ever told you they feel forsaken by God? Kind of makes you feel a little uncomfortable, especially when you're sitting in front of them. It's a pretty big deal. So let's look at this psalm. Let's look at Psalm 13 and see what David was going through uh, and what he was expressing to God. Again, from the New International Version, which is still anointed. Um, How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, Lord, my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. And my enemy will say, I have overcome him. And my foes will rejoice when I fall. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise for he has been good to me. Amen. A little background on this psalm. Uh, David is, is being chased by King Saul uh, at this time. And Dave talked about last week how David was anointed to be king, but there were several years between him being anointed as king and actually kind of moving on to fulfilling that calling. And he spent several years being chased by a crazy person. Um, and, and so it's likely kind of based on the way the psalm reads that David didn't write the psalm on day one. Uh, he, he, didn't, uh, he didn't disappear off into a cave and then think, oh my gosh, this is tough. Uh, this is probably a little bit of ways into being chased. He's probably getting a little frustrated. He's probably a little stressed. And so um, he's tired. He's just tired. And so verse 1, he says, How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? You know, David may not have, have blamed God for his problems. He didn't say, God, this is your fault. But he definitely feels forgotten. He definitely feels alone. I mean, imagine being anointed by God's prophet. So this is a guy who's got a direct connection with God. So the prophet comes and says, you're going to be this. And so you get all excited, right? I'd be excited. If I was told I was going to be ruler over something, shoot, man, I'd be thrilled. I love ruling over things. And so, so like telling people what to do is one of my favorite things in the world. And so to know that I get to tell an entire nation what to do, that would be fantastic. And then to all of a sudden go from that to being an outlaw, to being chased by this insane guy who you used to have a friendship with, but then he throws spears at your face and wants to kill you and all that, has got to be a stressful situation to be in. And so this God who's supposed to bring David into the fullness, he feels abandoned because, well, it's not happening yet. And he says, how long will you turn your face from me? How long will you hide your face from me? Why don't everybody do me a favor? Look in the back of the room. Okay. How do you think I feel right now? I feel a little ignored. Here, I'll give you an example. If I were to give you a sermon like this, yeah, so, you know, I mean, David was just this awesome guy, and it would be, you know, be really hard to think that I care about, what, about you. It shows you that I'm ignoring you. I'm interested in something else. This is how David felt. He felt alone. David was called a man after God's own heart. Imagine being a man after God's own heart and feeling like that God is not there. 
feeling like that God is not with you. Sometimes I feel that way, and it gets a little difficult. But David wasn't afraid to let God know how he felt. A lot of times, we as Christians, we don't, we don't really lay it on the line with God. We kind of have this idea that, well, he knows my thoughts, and he knows what I'm going to say before I say it, and so I don't need to say it because he knows what I'm going to say, and so I'm just not going to say it. And so, Lord, I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray while I'm laying down because I'm going to get ready to go to bed. And so I'm just, you know, you, you, you lay there, and you, you're only really expressing, Lord, thank you for the day, and thank you for my dog, and, and thank you for, for this. You, you, don't, you don't really open it up and say, Lord, I feel like you're not there. But the reality is, is that, that God can take it. Uh, uh, David is an example of what it's like to be incredibly honest before God. He's an example of what it's like to, to let yourself be known to him. And that's the first step in, in what we do with our emotions. The first thing we need to do is we need to express them to God. Because, because I mean, number one, like, if he cares as much as we know he cares about us, he probably is interested. I know I'm interested often in how my wife feels, especially if there's a disconnect. I want to know what's going on. And she wants to know the same with me. Sorry, honey, I said I wasn't going to mention you in this whole thing, but it just, it just happened that way. My bad. She was nervous this morning. She was, are you going to talk about me? I was like, no, I don't think so. Anyway, next in verse 2, he says, How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? David was actually aware of what was going on inside of him. This is what gets me. This is, let me tell you, this is the biggest struggle for me with this whole thing, is knowing what in the world is going on inside of me. I was sitting uh, in my counselor's office about two months ago. Yep, you heard me right. I was sitting in my counselor's office, and, and I started, yeah, amen, and I started, uh, I started talking about something, and I just, I just lost it. I mean, I started crying, and it was over this, like, ridiculous thing. And I'm sitting here going, why is this happening to me? You know, it was kind of like one of those scenes in Anchorman or something like that when Ron's freaking out, and you all laughed so you saw it so I don't feel that bad. Uh, anyway, it was just one of these weird things where I was like, what is going on inside of me? Why am I feeling this way? Why have I, why have I lost control? David was aware of his thoughts. He was aware of his sorrow. He didn't, he didn't push them down, you know, and that's okay to do. It's okay not to push them down. It's okay to let it out. Especially one of the things that I found comfort in is in level one of our discipleship program, uh, we learn that we're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. We learn that we're dead to sin and alive to God. And so when I express my emotions, when I say, God, I feel like you've forgotten me, that doesn't mean I'm not in the family anymore. That doesn't mean I'm not a Christian. That doesn't mean uh, if my wife tells me that, hey, I don't feel like you're loving me, that doesn't mean she's going to peace out and take the wedding ring off the next day. It's good for me to know those things. And the same thing holds true for God. You know you're safe. You know you're in the family. So it's okay to just say, hey, um, <clears throat> I don't know where you are. And I really need to. I know for me, I've feared that if I express these feelings of depression or anxiety, I kind of feel like I don't have faith. I heard a mmm on that one. You know, it's, it's interesting that we don't, have you ever met somebody who's always happy? I mean, they're always happy. Nobody ever looks at the always happy person and is like, there's something wrong with that person. But, but the person who comes in like two weeks in a row is like, 
I'm depressed, all of a sudden, like, whoa, hey, brother. Um, <clears throat> you, uh, you seen this before? It's a Bible. Um, I mean, just uh, if you read it, that'll it'll make it go away. No, we, we're, it's okay to be excessively happy sometimes, but if you have two weeks in a row where you're bummed, whoo, something is wrong with you. You need to find the joy of the Lord. You just need it. And, and, and that's true. That may be true. But the other thing is, is that see, you may have lost a friend. And so it takes a few weeks to mourn the loss of a friend. I, uh, when I was at chaplain school, I had the opportunity to meet, uh, I went through it with a Jewish rabbi. And by the way, the Jews are awesome. And, uh, and so anyway, there we go. I got a woo from that side of the room. And, um, and so, so I had this great opportunity to go through it with, with rabbi, and he's an amazing guy. And I'm telling you, when they pray and stuff, like we had to do this prayer, and his prayer was so just like... Uh, his prayer was so sad, and, and people were like, you know, your, your prayer was really down. He's like, I'm a hospice chaplain. What do you expect? And so, so anyway, it's a lot of emotion out of that. But I asked him, I said, hey, what do you guys do when somebody dies? Like, what, what, what's, like how does it, you know, what, what, is, what does your faith and your tradition tell you to do when, when someone dies? And, and he said, well, from my particular tradition, when someone dies, there's a seven-day mourning period. And so we sit at home for seven days, and people bring us food, and it's the responsibility of the community to mourn with others and then talk about the person that died, to actually mourn their loss. What do we do? We have a two-hour sermon, and then we go home. Because we need to move on. We need to get past it. If we actually took the time to stop, to express our emotion, to, to really look at how we're feeling, you might actually find something that you don't want to find in there. Uh, I'm, I'm a very future-focused person. When I was in high school, I looked into college. When I was at college, I was looking forward to grad school. In grad school, I'm looking forward to graduating. And I'm, and I'm looking forward to getting in the Navy. And then the thing is, is when I'm doing my Navy stuff, I'm thinking about when I retire. I'm 27 years old. I'm already looking at this. I'm going to retire in 20 years. I don't know what I'm going to do then. And so... That's not necessarily bad, but the bummer about focusing on the future is that you really don't live in the present. You really don't realize what's going on inside of you right now. And so I'm trying to uh, learn what that's like, to learn what that's like to be in the moment, to actually take a minute and see what's going on inside of me. It actually isn't as scary as you think it is. Verse 3 and 4 says, Look on me and answer, Lord my God. Give light to my eyes. Or I will sleep in death, and my enemy will say, I have overcome him. My foes will rejoice when I fall. Again, David goes back to God, and what I love about this particular part is this isn't more of, Lord, I'm upset with you. This is, hey, help me. This is this idea that, listen, uh, we're supposed to be doing this together, and if you don't step in and help me, I'm sunk. If you don't step in and actually work through this, then I'm done. I'm stuck. I need you to help me. You know, one of the reasons that God saved Israel was, yes, because he saw their misery, but also because he heard their cries. Sometimes we need to let our cries out and not be afraid of those. God's got thicker skin than you think he does. In the midst of all this fear, in the midst of all this stress that David's going through, look at verses 5 and 6. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise, for he has been good to me. 
Eugene Peterson uh, translates it this way in the message. He says, I've thrown myself headlong into your arms. I'm celebrating your rescue. I'm singing at the top of my lungs. I'm so full of answered prayer. Let me tell you, this part of the verse, I kind of don't like it because it takes the focus off of me. Um, I like me. Uh, I'm, I'm a pretty big fan of me. And sometimes, sometimes I camp there a little bit too long. But in this verse, David says, in, in the midst of all the junk, in the midst of all the stress, there's something about God. He's there. He's with me. Now, I want you to notice what he didn't do. He didn't start out the psalm or the lament with this verse. He didn't start with, oh, Lord God, Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you today, Lord, and we just know that you're good and that you're wonderful, Lord Jesus, and we know that you're here and you know that you're with us, but, Lord, I just want to bring this itty-bitty, itty-bitty, tiny petition, Lord. There's a crazy man chasing after me, and, Lord, I know that you're good, and I know that you're there, but, Lord Jesus, Heavenly Father, Lord, we just want you to come before us today, and I just thank you so much. He didn't do that. He didn't start going through that list of all the things that he knows about God. He started where he's at. The other thing he didn't do is he didn't stay in verses 1 through 4. He didn't stay with his stuff. <clears throat> yeah, he expressed it. Yeah, he got it out. But he didn't stay there. I mean, he had hundreds of people following him. Imagine what it would be like if he just camped in verses 1 through 4 and was cranky all the time. He would probably have ended up to be like a bitter seminary professor or something like that. Somebody who was just like offended with God and just didn't want to just didn't want to be around. There you go, Sean. Thanks for that. For that chuckle over there. I like that. For those of you that haven't been to seminary, if you ever go, you'll know what I'm talking about. They're there. Um, <clears throat> anyway. So, <laughs> anyway. So what does this look like? I mean, what, what, okay. So, all right. So you want to express, so, all right. So you want to express your emotions. So, so what is, what does all this look like? How does this look like in a real life scenario? Because, I mean, we don't want to be driven by our emotions, right? Isn't that the fear? Like the fear is to be of being driven by your emotion because the world and the, uh, the outside of church and even sometimes in the church, but movies and all that kind of stuff. I mean, you just do what you feel, right? I mean, you just, you're just, if you feel that way, if it feels good, do it. So what does it look like to actually do something like this? All right. So I'm going to give you an example. So let's say you're a woman. <clears throat> For some of you, that'll be really easy to imagine. Others, try. Um, don't try too hard, though. Um, so let's say, you're, let's say you're a woman, or if you're a guy, you can be a guy, and then just translate this. I trust you. You can do it in your own brain. And so let's say that this woman, is, she feels incredibly frustrated by her husband. Um, for some of you, that's not hard to imagine at all. Um, ooh, ooh, that didn't work well, did it? That was supposed to be a joke. <laughs> anyway... You guys need some prayer at the end? Um, so, all right. So, so this woman's really frustrated with her husband. She feels like he's been kind of a punk. Uh, he, she feels like he's really disconnected and angry. Um, and he's just really not pleasant to be around. Okay? So let's say this woman has a male friend who is the exact opposite of her husband. And so the, she feels like this man connects with her. This man uh, supports her dreams. He listens. Now, if she were to... Uh, be driven by her feelings, how do you think she feels between these two guys? She probably feels a little more drawn to the friend and a little less drawn to the husband. Now, if she were driven by her feelings, she would go down to the courthouse, get divorce papers, take the ring off, throw it in the trash right in front of his face, and go run off with the other guy. Actually, don't throw it in the trash. Go pawn it off because you get some money for it. But anyway, but that would be driven by her emotions. But 
What I'm suggesting is maybe she goes and she sits down before God and says, Lord, I feel really frustrated with this dude. Uh, I feel like he is not really participating in our life. And maybe for the first time, she actually hears what she's thinking, and she hears what she's feeling, and it makes her stop and think, I had no idea that was going on inside of me. And then maybe she goes and expresses her feelings to a friend. Now, if her friend is a good friend, uh, she's not going to uh, feel the need to rescue and say, oh my gosh, don't say that. Because don't we get afraid sometimes when someone really drops the big bomb on you? And when somebody really says, hey, I don't think I want to be married anymore or something like that, like as the pastor, my fix it, my fix it button turns on right there. It's like, ah, go around, go around. You know, don't do that. But we need to ask questions like why. You say, why do you feel that way? What's going on? Help people get to the heart of the issue because 90% of the time when someone finally knows what's going on inside of them, kind of gives you a little renewed vision. It gives you a renewed hope. It gives you, uh, at least for me, it's given me something to work on. All right, so somebody out there saying, all right, Luke, I get it. I need to express my emotions to myself, to God, to others. But how do I do that? Because I'm not a talker. I'm not one of those people who likes to say things. Uh, I don't talk good. And so, so what, do you, what do you do with that? Well, for me, the answer has been to journal. Uh, to be honest. I'm a verbal processor, and like I said earlier, I don't know what's what's going on until it comes out. And so if I, and that's not bad, but if I go and I process to someone who's not a verbal processor, like if Scott and I are having a conversation, it's great, because neither of us is listening. We're processing through together, okay? Like, Like if you're ever around when me and Scott are talking, it's like going like this, and you have no idea what's going on, because we're both processing out loud what's coming. But if I'm talking to someone like Mari or like Jason, well, especially my wife, like um, some of you might not know which one. Uh, it's Mari. That's the wife. That's who I'm referring to. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. I had to do that too. Um, if I just throw out what I'm thinking and she doesn't process with me, I like turn into Hurricane Luke and I can just come and like destroy things because I don't believe half the things I say. Like they just come out. And I need to hear it. And then once I hear it, I'm like, oh, yeah, oh, I don't like that at all. I don't believe that. And, and so, so, so I need someone What's great with Scott. And Scott will just bounce it back to me. And so, so for me, the answer so that I don't damage people around me has been to journal. Um, and the interesting thing is that when, when I write what I'm feeling, when I write what's going on, um, number one, it's kind of that same part of the brain is working that, that verbally processes. But I can go back and read over what I put down there. I've gone back and looked at some of my journal entries and gone, that guy needs help. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Who is he? He should go see a counselor. Um, and, and the interesting thing is, is that when I read like two or three pages later, or sometimes seven or eight or nine, or I look at the month tally and I go, well, that took a long time. Um, a lot of times that changes. Those things that I was, was processing before, the, the difficulties, the, the stuff that I really actually didn't get out, they changed. They changed over time because when you express yourself to God, when you express yourself to others, when you actually express yourself to yourself, um, you open a door. You, you open up that junk drawer and you take out all those used pieces that you have and you throw them away. You sort through them. I don't need that anymore. I don't need that anymore. Oh, my gosh. That's from six years ago. What's that there for? And so, so you actually open the door to freedom when you express yourself. 
when you express what's going on. Now, this, doesn't, this isn't like an overnight thing for some of you. And, and by the way, this isn't just guys who can't express themselves. I've met plenty of emotionally constipated women. And so, like, like they're, they're, it's, not just like, it's not just a guy thing. I know plenty of guys who know how to express themselves and plenty, plenty of ladies who don't. And, and the same thing. I mean, the reality is, is that you're human. And God loves your humanness. Oftentimes we become a Christian and we focus so much on the spirit that we forget about your emotions. You forget about your will. Most of you don't forget about your body because you eat every day. So you just want to live, right? Because if you're dead, then you're kind of useless to everybody. And so, so the same thing is kind of, I've met a lot of emotionally dead people. You're just as useless when you're emotionally dead as you are when you're physically dead. Because you can't connect with people. You sure can't connect with God. Part of you, part of who you are, is your emotions. If you're struggling this morning, if there's an area that you want freedom in, I encourage you to open it up to God, to express it, to start there. It's opened the door to freedom for me. Amen. Rev, come on up here. I'm done, brother. <laughs>